Acts chapter number 26. Uh, if you have not forgotten where we are, were already uh, this morning in Acts chapter number 25, uh, we were, uh, Paul is in captivity. Paul uh, has been on this journey from a murderer, from a, a church persecutor, uh, to meeting Christ on the Damascus Road. And now he has uh, been preaching and founding churches and preaching of a risen Savior. He finds himself in captivity. Chapter number 26 is a continuation of chapter number 25. And now he's before uh, the king and he begins to uh, tell of what God did for him. And he begins to give his testimony of what God has done. And, uh, and now we find him uh, on this progression and he begins, and I preached from this, uh, this chapter uh, over the last few weeks as well. And he talks about how uh, he is at that, uh, a, both a minister and a witness. You remember that in verse number 16. And what is the point in verse 18? To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. They may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Remember this morning as, as, as I prefaced the message this morning and how uh, when he's before uh, in, in this before the judgment seat there and they're, and they're looking and they're seeing and Festus is like, okay, why is, this, why is this man here? Really, he's here because of this. And now he begins to tell his story to the king. This is what God has called me to do after saving me. Then in verse number 22, he, he speaks of having therefore obtained the help of God. I continue unto this day witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say shall come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. You've got to remember the audience. You've got to remember why he's even in this situation. It's because of what he has been preaching right there, that Jesus Christ was the first to rise from the dead. He has been risen. He is the Messiah. He is the one that has come. He is the Savior of all mankind. And now you have to believe on him. And that's what's got him in this mess in the first place. That's why he's there. He's not recanting. Matter of fact, he's using his opportunity to just proclaim his message one more time. Then verse 24, verse 24 and verse 25 will be our text this evening. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. Festus, that Roman governor, he's had enough. Paul, listen to yourself. You're, you're in bondage, you're in chains, you have an appeal before the king, and this is the argument that you make? I met Jesus. This is what I was. I, was. I was that Christian killer. It was my testimony that put them to death, but I met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he changed me from that to this. He changed me from that one who was persecuting the church to now preaching of a risen Savior. And we reminded ourselves of what his testimony was there and how my ministry now is to, is, to, is, to, is to speak of the gospel. My ministry now is to remind everybody that Jesus was the first to be resurrected. And you can almost get a sense of the, the context and the setting in verse 24. Festus says, I've had enough. Paul, listen to yourself. Much learning doth make thee mad. You're crazy, Paul. See, preacher, you're not the first one to be called crazy. 
You're nuts. Listen to you. Paul's response in verse 25, but he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. I want to speak on this thought this evening. Who is really the madman? Who is really the madman? Paul was accused of just being crazy. Paul was just accused of being out of his mind. Here's your last appeal before you go to Rome, and you want to use it to speak of all of this. Paul, you're mad. Much learning has made you mad. Just like, ever since you started really reading that Bible, Christian, you're nuts. You're crazy. And you, ever since you joined that independent, fundamental Baptist church, you have lost your mind. Well, don't they know some were crazy before they ever got here? I mean, that's a whole other subject tonight. But I want to preach on this thought this evening. Who is really the madman? Father, I pray that uh, during our time we've had this, the, the, the remaining that uh, you'll work in our hearts. Uh, Father, it's already just been a joy to sing those old hymns. It's been a joy to think of my salvation. It's been a joy to hear the music this evening. Well, I always enjoy being with my church family and uh, being around uh, those that you've chosen to assemble together at this location to serve you. Father, I pray that the message will remind us of several things this evening. This, uh, this world is not getting better, it's getting worse, and more than ever, more than ever, uh, children of God, saved people, uh, need to be determined uh, to continue to uh, preach your word, to spread the message that there is a risen Savior. And Father, this world is not going to understand, this world is not going to uh, agree with what we do, but may we keep the focus uh, on, on your Son. And I pray that you'll uh, bless this week, but bless the service this evening. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Interesting passage of Scripture here, and we know the scene and we know the setting, and the question is asked, uh, Paul, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. You're crazy. We read in verse 25 Paul's response, but he said, I am not mad, but I speak forth the words of truth and soberness. We find a scene here that I believe has been played out over and over since this, that day to this when truth and soberness is mistaken for madness, for crazy talk, truth and soberness. See, what Paul was speaking was and is the truth. Jesus was the first to raise from the dead. Aren't you thankful? Not the last. All of us have loved ones who have gone on before us, and, and if Jesus tarries his coming, we will all take our last breath on this side of eternity, but to be absent from the bodies, to be present from the Lord. Aren't you glad that as a Christian, we don't have to fear death, we don't have to fear the grave, we don't have to fear uh, that, 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 that finality, because Jesus has conquered the, the grave. He says, I, I just speak truth in soberness. Let me remind all of us as Christians this evening and as the Emmanuel Baptist Church, our responsibility is to the truth. The truth is a sober matter. It's a serious thing. 
It is not something to be uh, to treat flippantly. It's not something to, uh, it doesn't matter what I do with the truth. No, the scripture over and over reminds us of how we're to handle the truth, how we're to be faithful to the truth, how we're supposed to pass it from faithful man to faithful man. And as a church, we have a responsibility to be serious about the truth. That's why when we come to church, it's a serious matter. Because we're dealing with the truth. That's why we teach our children the things of God. It is a serious matter because we are dealing with the truth. That's why our message as preachers of the gospel, it is about the truth of the gospel. It's not my opinion. It's not your opinion. That's why at the Emmanuel Baptist Church, when you join the church, we don't pass out surveys about what you like about what's preached or not like about what's preached because it's all about the truth. And we have to respond to that with seriousness. We're reminded in this passage of Scripture, we're reminded from the message this morning, this lost world doesn't understand the things of God. And we find Festus, Paul, you're mad. Not angry, but you're crazy. Listen to how you're, you're, you're talking. You expect us to believe that this one named Jesus actually raised from the dead. That's exactly what Paul was preaching to them. That's exactly the message that he has. He said, no, don't misunderstand. What I'm talking about is truth with soberness. Who is really the madman? Christian, if you're not careful, we'll listen to this world. We'll listen to the media. We'll listen to the Hollywood. We'll listen to society. We'll even listen to the public education system. And they'll look at what you and I believe and they'll say, you're crazy. You've gone mad. But tonight, let me ask you, who really is the madman? The one that believes God created all things or one who believes man evolved from monkey? And one day there was a big bang and something came from nothing. Who really is the madman? Who really is the bad man? The one who believes God is the giver of all life and, should, and life should be protected at any cost to so the one that believes that it's okay to murder an unborn child for convenience sake? Who really is the madman? Who's the madman? The one that believes Jesus was virgin born, the virgin-born Son of God who lived a sinless life, became our sin payment, rose from the dead, having conquered death and hell, or the one that believes that a sinful man can work their way to a holy God. Let me ask you, who really is the madman? Who's the madman? The one that believes the Bible is God's word, inspired by his very breath, preserved through history, and is the answer to all men's questions, or the one who looks to the philosophies and ideas of man for their instruction? Who is the madman? Who's the madman, the one who lives a clean, separated, and holy life, fleeing youthful lust, mortifying their members, and abstaining from not just evil, but even the appearance of it? Or those who embrace the world, its sin, its vices? There's a, this world is really crazy. Those that hold to the truth with soberness and seriousness it's not crazy to believe in an almighty God. It's not crazy or foolish to believe in a perfect book. It is not crazy or foolish to believe in a risen Savior. Uh, friend, it is not uh, madmen who believe that. Actually, it's just holding to the truth with seriousness. And by the way, uh, this world doesn't understand it, but I think there's a lot of Christians who they understand a little bit about truth, but they don't t they're not serious about it. 
See, you don't end up in prison like this, having been beaten and persecuted and having a way out over and over and say, oh, you're going to let me defend myself? Well, let me tell you one more time what Jesus did for me. Let me repeat it one more time how he saved me on that road to Damascus and then he called me to ministry. I'm here today. Matter of fact, I appreciate you allowing me to do ministry right now and tell you about what God did for me and tell you about what I'm supposed to do with my life. But this world will look at madness. There's a lot of Christians who look at this, the truth and they look at it like it's crazy. But it's because you're not serious about it. Some would say that it's madness, it's crazy to rear your young people for ministry and serving the Lord instead of bringing them up to make a lot of money. But I would say that it's not madness. I would echo the Apostle Paul and say, no, it's truth with soberness. See, I'm just not interested. And those of you that are members here, which is the majority of you, you understand. You understand. There's some things you don't understand about me, but there are some things you understand about me. I'm not interested in debates. I'm not interested in getting in arguments. The truth is truth. We handle the truth the way God expects us to handle the truth. We ought to be serious about it. The reason why some don't understand why you ought to live a holy life is because you're not serious about the truth. The reason why some are not interested in, in, in keeping anybody out of hell is because they're not interested in the, being serious about the truth. The reason why some Christians struggle with taking that next step of faith and being a tither and being faithful to the house of God is because they're not serious about the truth. And they look, and even Christians look at what you and I believe and how serious we are about it, how dedicated we are to it, and say, well, I go to church, but the Emmanuel Baptist Church, they're crazy about it. You've all experienced that, haven't you? Oh, you're a Christian too? Absolutely. Where do you go to church? I tell you where they go to church. It's some this or that or that and 22 different names about the community and this and that. And they say, where do you go to church? Emmanuel Baptist Church. Oh. You go to that crazy church. Well, I'll give this to you. You really believe what you do. That's it. That's it. It is seriousness about the truth. Mom and dad, you need soberness when it comes to the truth. It's not something to play around with. Well, you don't. You, you say, well, I, my, my kids don't like this, or I, I'm not sure about this. That's why every mom and dad, you need to keep your heart right. You need to keep your life right because you've got children coming behind you. You've got to be careful with the truth. You've got to be serious about it. Your kids aren't just going to rear themselves. You've got to be serious about rearing your kids. Uh, this church is not going to do all that God has intended for us to do unless we handle the truth with soberness. But I'm going to warn you as something that we've already talked about you know and we see it in the life of Paul. Many are going to ask the question, or many are going to say, I've had enough. Stop. You're mad. Much learning. Something happened to you when you attended that week of that conference. You're a madman now. Something happened to you when you allowed God to get that victory in your life and determined to serve God with your life. Something has changed about you. 
Friend, who is the madman, the one who would just go through this life that God has gifted to them, receive God's Son as, as, as that sin payment, and then not be serious about serving Him, and then not be serious about doing the things of God? Friend, I would say the madman would be the one who would trade the world's approval to standing before our Savior one day and hearing the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Friend, it's all in the perspective. It's all in how you look at it. Festus said, Paul, stop. You're crazy. Listen to yourself. Much learning has made you a madman. Paul reminds him, I'm not mad. I just speak forth the words of truth and soberness. Let me point out several things this evening from this passage of Scripture that we see when it comes to who is the madman, or if I could say it like this, when truth and soberness is mistaken for madness. Those that are mad, mad, those that are really the madmen are those who deny the work of God. In verse number 26, we read, For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. What Paul is saying there, Paul is saying, Why are you calling me mad? Why are you saying I'm crazy? You're saying that me meeting Jesus on the Damascus Road when I was a Christian killer, when I was the church persecutor, in saving me and giving me a new future, now I'm in ministry, and now my, my, my goal, my purpose, is to open their eyes to the gospel, to see God do some things. You've got to understand the stir that Paul had created in his ministry. The king, no doubt, had heard about the apostle Paul. No doubt he had heard the things that had been done. And he reminds him, it's not like I was hiding what I've been doing. It's not like I've been hiding the message that I've been preaching. He is, he was very, what he's saying is, the king is very aware of what God has been doing. The madmen are those that would deny what God is doing. The madmen are the ones who would deny the, the goodness of God, the work of God, and, and the change that God would create in your life. Friend, do not trade a cheap imitation in this world to the work of God in your life and what God can do in the life of your family, what God can do in the life of a Christian. Only a madman would deny what God has been doing. Let me remind you, church, along the way, somebody's going to offend you somebody's going to say something to you that you just don't like. Now, it wouldn't be me, but somebody else might, might, might step on your toes from time to time. Hey, say, say, Pastor, I just don't understand this, or I was treated unfairly in this situation. Friend, look around and see what God is doing. I can put up with a little inconvenience. I can, I can get over my hurt feelings to see what God has been doing in our midst, to see what God is doing. Only a madman would deny the work of God. We deny what God is doing. We see, second of all, in verse 27, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? Now we're getting right down to it. See, the king, King Agrippa was a Jew. He knew the law. This was not some Roman ruler who was not familiar with the Jewish law, the Jewish custom, was not familiar with Jesus. Now Paul's getting right to it with him. King, believest thou the prophets? Understand this setting. 
Paul is now before the king. In verse 2, he says, I think myself happy, King Agrippa. I've been waiting to talk to you about this. And he tells what Jesus did for him. He tells what Jesus has been doing in his life. And guess what? I used to persecute churches. Now I get to start churches. And now I get, I get to tell people about the Lord. And then Festus, he's like, I don't, I don't get this. I don't understand it. Stop, Paul. You're crazy. And Paul says, I'm not crazy. We've seen this. I, I've been speaking of truth and soberness. And, and you got to understand, he's at the judgment seat of the king. He's in that, in that, that setting of law, in that courtroom. And, and I just imagine this. He's now he's looking at Festus and says, the king knows what I've been doing. He's heard about everything that's been going on. He's heard of the, that's why we're here, because of what's been going on with the message that I've been preaching. And then he turns his attention from Festus and looks the king eyeball to eyeball and says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? And that old preacher did what preachers are good at. He answered for him. He says, I know that thou do. I know that thou believest. The second thing I want us to see when it comes to being a madman, only a madman, are those who have a denial and a disregard of the Scripture. He says, believe us how the prophets, every Jew knew of the prophets. They all knew what the prophets had said. They all were aware of the law. This is why Paul was here. Paul knew the law. Paul knew the law was not saving anybody. Paul knew it was belief and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he looks at the king and says, believe us thou the prophets? I know you believe. Because even, friend, let me remind you, even the prophets testified of, of a coming king. Even the prophets testified of one that would conquer death. Even the prophets testified. He says, I know you believe it, but we know in the story of King Agrippa here that he had a disregard for what he knew to be true in the Scripture. Friend, it's a frustrating thing to talk to somebody and get them through the plan of salvation and, and have them get to a point where they want to choose whether or not they're going to choose the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, they know you can see it in their eyes. You can hear it in the voice when they admit it. They know the Scripture is true. And you say, do you believe it? Yes, I believe, but they will not take that. Only, only a madman would disregard what the Scripture says. But can I just say this? There's a lot of crazy Christians, too. I don't mean crazy in the way that, that the world tries to make us look crazy. They're crazy because they know what the Bible says. They know the commands of Scripture, and then they have a complete disregard for it. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've had conversations with, with Christians and young adults, and, and I say, you're going the wrong way, you're going the wrong direction. Look at what the Bible says, and they say, I know what the Bible says. But this is what I want to do. And I'm the madman for getting up and preaching the Word of God. I'm the crazy man for trying to stop you from going down the road of destruction. I'm the one who is, is a madman because I'll say you shouldn't expose your children to the things of this world. Friend, only a madman would disregard what the Bible says. Only a madman would disregard the Scripture. Only a madman, when they know that Bible is true, would disregard what God has said. I had a conversation a while back with one of these who was just choosing to go a different way. And let me just say, sometimes we use this as illustrations, and let me just say, I'll never be too personal because I hope every one of them come back to the Lord one day. But I'll also say this, I'm thankful for everyone who has stayed through the years. 
You'll find one church, well, we don't keep them all, but we keep the majority of them. But this was a situation where I just, I just, you're going the wrong way. And, and at least they would let me talk to them and say, you're making the wrong decisions. And I would just poke holes in everything they were trying to do, and I would use scripture. And it was just, well, I just don't, I don't believe that's what that says. I don't believe that part of the Bible. I said, tell me how you're saved. I said, because based on your testimony, I don't believe you're saved. Oh, no, I know I'm saved. Well, how do you know you're saved? Because the Bible said, no, 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 no. You can't have it both ways. If you believe in the Bible for salvation because of the truth of Scripture, then you know that that Bible is true. Then you know that what that Bible says, only a fool would go against the Word of God. Only a madman. Hey, stick with it. I'd rather this world call me crazy. I'd rather this world look at me funny because uh, my family doesn't participate in some of the things of this world. I'd rather, I'd rather family uh, uh, talk about us behind our back. I'd rather not even get Christmas cards from certain people to, to be right with my God and to be in line with Scripture. I'd rather this world call me crazy but other than actually being mad and not following and disregarding Scripture. Thirdly, the third thing I'll point out when it comes to being a madman is found in verse number 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Only a madman, only a madman would refuse to extend their faith. Only a madman, only a madman would refuse to put their faith in Almighty God. Remember when you got saved, friend? If you didn't put your faith in a preacher, because if you did, you're not saved. You didn't put the faith, your faith in yourself, because if you did, you're not saved. You put your faith in the perfect Son of God. You put your faith in the finished work of God, the salvation that comes from faith in God. I've been preaching this to you a lot recently, and, and it was certainly applied in this passage of Scripture. I don't understand why we'll put faith in a God to save us from a devil's hell, but we won't put the faith in God to feed us, to provide for us, to lead us, to guide us. We won't put faith in God to take us to that next step. I'm in a crisis hour, uh, Pastor. I need some help. Put faith in the same God that saved you, the same God that sent his son to die on the cross. And it was too many Christians. And I, I'll just be honest with you. The, the madman is not the one who says, well, I just believe God. The madman is not the one who says, well, you say, well, how is it going to all work out? I have no idea, but I just believe God's going to work it out. You say, this world looks at you and say, that's crazy. Sadly, there's a lot of Christians that look at you that says that's crazy. And sometimes there's even church members that look at you as a pastor and you come in and say, this is what we're doing. I have no idea. I just know that God said, let's do it. And faith in God is not crazy. But it's mad. It's crazy, friend, to not extend your faith in God. God is so much above you and I. Only a verse I remind myself often of is his ways are above our ways. 
Well, I just don't understand what God is doing. Let me help you with something. Think, let's think. I know I'm asking a lot tonight. But let's, see, let's logic this thing through. If you could figure out God, how little would God be? I just don't know what he's doing. Sometimes I thank the Lord. Because if I knew what he was doing, I'd get off of this merry-go-round so fast. It's faith. It's faith. Christians, we could, we could, take the, we could, we could be here all night long just letting Christians testify time and time again. They just put their faith in God. And your family might have thought you were crazy. This world might, you might have thought you were crazy yourself, but you just put your faith in God. It's truth with soberness. Fourthly and finally, we see this evening a madman. Look at verse 29. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. Only a madman would not realize the effect of their decision on other people. Can you imagine that courtroom setting? Imagine with me just for a moment. He's before the judgment seat. And he's heard the accusations against him. And now he's going to speak to the king. The Festus had told Agrippa. Agrippa said, I think I want to hear what he has to say. And in the beginning of verse 26, as we've already, already mentioned, he comes before the king and he begins to tell all that God has done. He tells what, he, he defended himself by, by, by preaching about what God has done in his own life. And then finally, Festus, he gets so fed up with it, he says, you're, you're, you're crazy, Paul, stop. We, we don't know if it was really, uh, the, the, if he was really belittling him or saying, oh, in one of those situations, I'm going to eject for you because you're just getting yourself in, in further and further and further in. He says, you're crazy, you're mad. Much learning has made you mad. Said, oh, no, it's truth of soberness. We've seen the conversation there as he asked the king, do thou believe us? And, and the king said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And no doubt, we know Festus thought that he was mad, thought that he was crazy, but we see in verse 29, Paul continues, I would to God. And I believe that Paul took a step back because the king had just spoken, almost, I'm gonna, I would put my faith. Almost, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Almost, you persuaded me, Paul. I believe now, Paul puts his attention on everybody else that was in that judgment hall, everybody else who would have been a witness there to what is being said. And if the king had accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, can you imagine what would have happened? I promise you there were some there who as Paul was speaking to Festus and Paul was speaking to that king, somebody in the corner of the judgment hall, I don't know exactly how the setup was back then, but the Holy Spirit of God was very real and very evident. And the Holy Spirit of God was saying, He's not crazy. He's not crazy. Matter of fact, you know he's telling the truth. Matter of fact, you know you need to put your faith. And I wonder how many men looked at that king, and maybe in their mind, there's no excuse in it. They had to make their choice. They said, well, if the king will accept, I'll accept. Or maybe they were at the point when he said, the king, he said to the king, do you believe the prophets? 
I imagine somebody standing off to the side, maybe one of the guards there in their mind said, I believe. I believe. But then when that king said, almost. And then you find at the end of the chapter, there's a discussion about what to do with, with, with Paul. And, and maybe in that setting, those that would have believed, I believe there were some that did. But can you imagine what would have taken place if the king had accepted Others who would have followed that lead, others would have said, well, if he, there's something to it, he, he, if he thinks there's something to it, let me hear what the Apostle Paul has to say even further. And I believe there were others simply because the king did not listen. There's a lot of debate and there's a lot of talk, and I'll address a lot of it this week in my teaching, of why there's the next generation doesn't pan out. Why are there generations in independent Baptist churches? Why are they going the way of the world? Well, I just have a simple answer for that, because they're rebels. I mean, there's not a scientific explanation for it. I mean, I'm thankful here. You, you, saw, you, you saw young adults and young couples sing tonight, and, and there's a couple dozen training for the ministry in Bible colleges tonight, and, and we've got them coming. We don't keep them all, and that's to God's glory. That's, that, 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 that's all 100% Him. But, but, but there's this big debate. Why are we losing it? Why aren't we getting it? I'll tell you, a lot of reasons why there's young people. Why would they want a God? Why would they want a church? Why would they want to follow a pastor where mom and dad does it? Mom and dad are critical. Oh, they hear a Sunday school teacher teach a lesson, have faith in God, believe in God, give God your life. But then mom and dad won't surrender. Mom and dad won't give their life. Mom and dad won't give up their sin. Mom and dad aren't going to make changes. Hey, young person, you get the right God, uh, right, right friends. Don't let them influence you. But mom and dad's not going to give up the wrong friends. Mom and dad's not going to give up the wrong relationships. And they do not understand how their decision affects their children, affects somebody else. I'll tell you what's crazy. What is crazy is not understanding how your decision is going to affect somebody else. Your decision is going to influence somebody else. Friend, I have a very good understanding, a very real understanding of my responsibility before God as the pastor of this church, but I have an understanding of being an example that, that if I do not do what I'm, not, what I'm supposed to do, there are others going to be affected by that. But friend, that's the same is true for your Sunday school class, the same is true for your family, the same is, uh, is, is for you and your relationships. We have a responsibility. It's crazy not to understand that. Well, well, it only affects me. You don't even believe that. If, if you believe that, and I don't know of anybody who's upset with anything going on, but this is a good time to say it. If you believe it doesn't affect anybody, why are you trying to convince everybody? Well, it only affects me. Why are you trying to, why are you trying to, to, to convince everybody? I hadn't said this in a while, and I'll say it. Is it okay if I say it tonight? Okay, I got approval, then I'm okay. If, if, I, if there's everybody, somebody's going to leave the church, and they just came up to me, and they, really, they said, Pastor, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm backslidden. I'm away from God, and that's why I'm leaving. I said this jokingly one time. I said, I put your name on a plaque. Now, be in the hallway by the restrooms, but I put your name on the plaque. For just being honest about why you're leaving the house of God, the word of God, and the people of God. The church didn't all of a sudden get unfriendly. 
The pastor didn't all of a sudden get mean-spirited. I've been that way a long time, but I didn't all of a sudden get that way. And all of a sudden, things didn't, well, I'm just not getting fed anymore. Well, you got to show up to dinner time to get fed every once in a while. If someone was honest and said, I'm just away from God. I, I don't want anybody to leave the things of God. I want to be very, very careful how I interact with people and how I handle people. Now, there's sometimes you have to mark a scorner. The Bible's very clear about that. But I always want to make a way for people to come back. I always want to make a way for people to come back to the things of God. But the thing that breaks my heart is not just for a life that will never reach its potential to do the things of God. But it's the people that are affected around them. Where we just think we'll we'll go, okay, you have that right, and I'll certainly pray for you. I'm sure I'll get a call from that pastor. Anyway, uh, I, uh, you know, I want you to, I want, I want, I want, that's fine. But see what I do? I remember in my mind when their son, who's now 16, was eight, and walked an aisle and felt the call to preach on his life. And I know that a decision by a mom and dad was going to keep him from ever standing behind that pulpit and preaching the word of God. And I, I don't understand the business, and I don't try and get in God's business, but if you just take the line of logic, if he's never going to stand in a pulpit that God intended for him to stand in front of, there's somebody who's going to sit in that service and never hear the message that God intended for them to hear. And there's somebody who's never going to get saved. See, Christian, only a crazy person would not realize Somebody is following. Somebody is going to be affected. Well, it's just, no, it's not just you. There's somebody watching you. There's somebody who you don't even know is watching you that's watching you. Well, you men men of our church, and we have such great men in our church. they're, They're little boys that are watching you. Watching what you do. Well, Pastor, don't you realize your responsibility that all the kids around here, they're watching you? But there's many watching you. I remember growing up as a preacher's kid. You know, my dad sits right down there. He, he was the preacher. He, he, he was my dad. He was, he, was, he, was, he was just my dad. Who did the preacher's kid watch? He watched laying in the church. There, there are some of you who can have a greater influence than the pastor can. Well, I got offended. Okay, get over it. Because there's somebody counting on you. Only a madman, only a madman would make a decision knowing that it would affect in an adverse way others around him. You and I, we need to be reminded this evening that there are others who are counting on us. There's others who depend on us. Well, Pastor, nobody, it wouldn't matter. If I, if, if I fall by the wayside, it's not going to affect anybody. That's not true. There's somebody in your neighborhood. There's somebody that works in your building. 
There's somebody, there's a family member that you haven't seen in years that you're going to cross paths with at the holidays coming up. And if you are not in tune with the Holy Spirit of God, it is going to adversely affect them. I don't want to stand before God one day. I don't want to give an account that I was a stumbling block. That it was my discouraged spirit. It was my lack of faith. It was my lack of dedication to the word of God that caused somebody else to stumble. That's a heavy thing for somebody to have to live with. Only a crazy... Pastor, my family thinks you're crazy. That's okay, mine does too. There's people... Boy, this, see, they think this is the crazy church. This is, you're crazy. Let me tell you who doesn't. Let me tell you, let me tell you who doesn't. You go into the poor neighborhoods in this city. And those, you knock on those doors of those little boys, those little girls that, that get picked up to come to Sunday school, get picked up to come to church. They don't think we're crazy. Now, some of you, they still think you're crazy, but you know what I'm saying in the context of the message. Before God, is God pleased with me? I live my life to honor God. If I live my life to make Him pleased with me, this world will call us crazy. But who's really the madman? It's the person who doesn't realize that one day every knee is going to bow. The one person who doesn't realize that everything you do to live for this life, it's all going to pass away. It's you're crazy. You're giving to this, you're giving up all your time, you're giving all this. Well, a crazy person doesn't understand that this is all going to pass away. And is that what that is done for eternity? That's why I'm excited about these preachers being here this week. And if we can offer any encouragement to them, because you know what we're doing? We're affecting eternity. We're, we're affecting that which will last forever. If we can get fired up, we can get encouraged, we can go out and do something else for, for God, do greater things for the cause of Christ. People say, that, well, that's crazy. You, you're, you're, do, you're doing all of that just to have a week like this? Yes, because I understand that there are some important things that God still would like to do in our nation, and He'd still like to send revival. And, and, and he's, in, in the mind of God, He already sees a young man and a young lady in a town of one of these preachers, and somebody's going to be fired up, and they're going to go home and they're going to get saved because of because of the effect they have friend there's other people who are counting on you it's crazy well not when you put it in the context of scripture who really is the madman paul you're a crazy man no truth with soberness friend remember let's handle the truth with seriousness with soberness father